You're listening to The Green Thumbs Up, brought to you by Miniquip Hire, WA's leading machinery hire company, supporting the Landscape Industries Association, WA. Welcome to the Green Thumbs Up podcast, the podcast for landscapers by landscapers. Proudly brought to you by Miniquip Hire, Bailey's Fertilisers and Domus Nurseries. And Karen, who do we have with us? Today, Ben, we've got uh, Mark Tuchek from Tuckerbush uh, Plant Supplies or Nurseries. Yep. Uh, welcome, Mark. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks for having me. That's great, Mark. And um, he's brought a special drink along tonight, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on during the podcast and we might even get to have a sip of it. Mark, um, we normally start these um, podcasts with a little bit of background on yourself and and where you've come from and how you got involved in the horticultural industry because you have been in it for quite a while. Quite a while. So I got started in 1983, uh, which goes back a while, and uh, I was just out of school and uh, needed a job because I was playing a fair bit of sport at the time, so I kind of fell into horticulture. But I got the job only because... Uh, the lady down the road from uh, Domus Nursery uh, said, uh, Mark's a nice boy, to Brian, who was looking for someone at the time, and I got the job that way. Right. So being a nice boy. Um, and I was fit too, so that, right. that's, that's handy. What sort of sport were you playing, Mark? Uh, volleyball. Ah, okay. So I was going away a fair bit. Uh, state representative? State. Yeah. Australian representative? <laughs> got there eventually. Olymp- Olympic representative? No, not no, Olympics. Not no. Olympics, right. But, uh, you know, it was costing a fair bit, so I needed yep. money for... That, so I just needed a job. Right. And uh, did you know what horticulture was when you first started, or was it just one of those, uh, here's a job, I'll take it? That's it. I had no idea, and so I just kind of rocked up, and uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to get the job. There was only three of us at the time, and we did everything. We did a bit of propagation, potting, we picked the plants, put them in the truck, and then drove the truck too, so right. we did the whole so, gamut. So uh You've gone leaps and bounds, and Domus are uh, actually uh, one of our sponsors, so uh, they've gone leaps and bounds as well. They certainly have. So, uh, so I worked there initially four years, and that's where I became interested in horticulture. Right. So I went on to study my certificate while I was there working at the and time. That was at Bentley TAFE or at uh, Murdoch? Yeah, Bentley TAFE. Bentley Tafe yeah. yeah, before they shifted out to Murdoch. Yeah, yeah. with Chris Oliver. No yes, yeah. yeah, there's some old yeah. new names, yeah. yeah, so Chris Oliver and... Um, Siva and yep, all the rest Siva of Gannison. That's yeah, the one. Yeah. yeah, right. And so, and because I just became interested while I was working there, so I thought I'd just uh, better myself and I ended up uh, working and studying part time after work because I was uh, training for volleyball before work. Right. And so, so Domus didn't have a traineeship for people at that particular stage. It was just off your own bat. It was just off my own yeah. bat at that stage, but. Uh, um, after a while, after uh, four years at Domus, I decided to, I was studying part-time at that stage, but uh, ended up leaving uh, to finish off and study full-time because I had to give up something. I was playing too much sport, working and then studying, so I thought I'd give up work. Give up work. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> but uh, it was a great um, great time back then uh, with Brian and uh, they've just celebrated their 50th year. Yep. At Domus, so it's a great achievement. I think that was only last weekend, wasn't it? Or a couple, uh, of, weekends couple of weekends ago? A couple of weekends ago, yeah. weekends ago. And it was a great night. And, uh, of course, I went back to work for Domus 
and worked for Colin, uh, and I lasted about 10 years there uh, working part-time. Right, and now you're out on your own on Tuckerbush? I do that, uh, so I also have my own water plant nursery right. called Hort Biz, right. and we supply pond plants, aquatic plants uh, for Bunnings Garden Centres and landscapers that um, in the industry, but I also do Tuckerbush, so half the nursery's water plants and half the nursery's Tuckerbush, where I trial new varieties. Right, so Tuckerbush is obviously, by the name of it, is plants, that, the native plants that you can eat? Native edible plants. Native edible plants. That's probably a better description. Yep. So I started that when I was at Domus. Uh, that was back in 19, uh, I think, no, so it's 2015, obviously, so 19. 19. Uh, 2015, <laughs> I started Tuckerbush because I realised at the time that we were only growing two Australian native edible plants and... They were the same two we were growing back then when I first started right. in 83. Uh, we were growing a plant called Illawarra Plum, which back in 83 we were supplying to shires for street trees. And they were using the street trees because they could trim them easily and they were pretty tough, uh, not for their fruiting ability. Mm. And the, the other one was uh, this little one called Midgenberry, right. uh, which I bought in... For a bit of show and tell. tell yeah. Have you had yeah. Mitchum before? I don't think I have. Haven't you? No. Here we go. Look Here like, we go. I can you can do a taste test on, right. on air. On, tell on us. Live, live, live to air. Yeah, tell us what it what it's you a, uh, a, a, a little berry, a bit like a, a blueberry, but it's only it's white, I suppose. Probably a little bit smaller than a blueberry. Yeah, just white and speckled. And um, this is the other plant that we were growing that was first in the range. Mm. Mm. And What's that? Vanillary sort of tone? Oh, I mean, vanilla? It's... Tastes a bit piney. Piney? There piney. we go. Here we go, yeah. A bit of an assortment, you know. Yeah, so, so what, what should it taste like? Well, like I kind of think it tastes a little bit passion fruity. Passion fruity, yeah. Mm. And with a bit it? of an aftertaste. Yeah. But it's a, it's a great plant because it's easy to grow. Kids love them. So yeah. in the garden, the kids can just pick the fruit. Only grows to about a metre by about a metre and a half. Uh, has really attractive bronzy new growth and you can trim it too. And, uh, yeah, that was the, one of the first plants in the range. Right. So uh, your Tuckerbush range now, how many plants would you have in that? Uh? Well, I, I started with six plants, and uh, now there's probably close to 90 in the range. Right. But um, I realised back then that there was a bit of a hole in the market because you know, we live in a fantastic country, you know. Everyone's got a lemon tree in their backyard, but they mm. should have a finger lime. Mm. And it dawned on me that... Um, we really need to have more of these plants available and you know, available to plant. So that's when I went on my bush food journey and I went to visit different Aboriginal people. Um, Dale Tilbrook uh, is a local uh, lady here, Artie Dale. Uh, she's out in the Swan Valley. And, of course, Marissa Verma. She uh, was running Aboriginal cultural tours through Piney Lake. And um, that's how I started my bush food right. journey. I was really driven by the fact that I felt that we needed a Australian bush food plant in our own backyard. You know, Australia's a great country. Yep. And there's so many bush food plants. And I know with finger limes now, I mean, everyone's, um, you know, uh, chefs and that are sort of uh, singing their praises. They are. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't long about, you know, five or six years ago, uh, we really weren't appreciating these. And a lot of these uh, finger limes were getting shipped off to Japan, uh, you know, around $100 a kilo. Right. And it was only recently that uh, Master Chef and things like that got onto them. 
interesting fact about finger limes is that they've got the biggest colour variation uh, in citrus, and so you can get green skin with red flesh and uh, red flesh, red skin with green flesh and pink flesh. So there's, a, there's got about eight or so different colours right. available in these. And it's botanic name? Uh, they're called Citrus Australetica. Better get that out, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can edit that out, Ben, late. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, they're just like little citrus pearls. Right. And you can use them anywhere you'd use lime or lemon, so good for seafood, uh, good in gin, good for uh, desserts, anything. Multi, multi, multi-use. Multi-use. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so they've really taken off and... You know, becoming more well known. Yep. And you're growing all these plants yourself, Mark, at your nursery. Yeah. So yep. I, um, well, I've got Domus uh, growing the growing plants. So right. I administer the range now. Right. And uh, we're lucky enough to have a grower like Domus in each state. So right. there's uh, growing each state, supplying garden centres and bunnings and yep. things like that to make these plants available uh, for people to put in their own backyard. Right. And a distinctive labelling that uh, if we, if you. People go to a nursery, they'll certainly see the distinctive markings of Tuckerbush. That's right, because at the time, uh, with the two plants, they all had their own different labels. And so effectively what I did was just put them together in one spot. And uh, when we first introduced them, they were in the native section. And they, funny enough, didn't sell very well, even though they aren't a native. But once they were moved into the edible section in Bunnings, that's when they they took off. Very interesting. Yeah, so they... So now they're, they're readily available. They've got their own bit of real estate in garden centres. And they're seasonal, you know, so mm. you get different plants available in different seasons. And it takes me about two years to research and trial varieties to get them into the system. Different mobs uh, will contact me from around the country now and say, listen, have you got this plant? You know, we used to eat it as a kid. And uh, so I'd have to source a lot of these plants. Fortunately enough, in WA, uh, we can't get some varieties because of myrtle right. rust restrictions. Yep. Yep. So now in the range, uh, like Queensland has got varieties that we don't have, and we've got varieties that Queensland don't have. So it's basically an Australian range, but with state-specific that, varieties. Right. Is it right. possible to get those brought in through tissue culture? Uh, it is, yes. And some of the... The higher volume things we're looking at uh, doing in tissue culture, there's a, a red back ginger, mm-hmm. uh, Atherton ginger, and that lends itself to tissue culture. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but some of the myrtacey things, you know, you, you, we could bring in uh, through tissue culture. And that would be safe? There's no way? It would way be safe, yeah, yeah. yeah. So as long as they're certified uh, stock to begin with. But, um, yeah, there's just a, a myriad. I've got probably about 250 plants on my shopping list right and there's thousands of more oh. after that so you know it's it's a fantastic country that we live in and, and mark you also do a lot of stuff with um school kids yes yeah, you know, there's a lot of schools out there you know probably yeah, high schools and primary schools who are doing um you know vegetable gardens or edible gardens and yeah i, I think i've spoken to you before about yeah. uh, what you offer in that uh that space, so maybe you can give us a little bit of a background on that. Yep, so because of the, the popularity of uh, the, the range, I was being asked to come into schools to talk about the, the plant side of things. And, of course, um, my friend Marissa at the time, uh, she was going into schools to talk about the Aboriginal cultural side of uh, things. So I said, well, we might as well team up, team up together and put something out there 
So we put a Facebook post out and we asked for one school to be a guinea pig school for us to come out and uh, run a program with the kids. And of course, straight away we got 60 schools register. Mm. And so that was the start of our Tuckerbush Schools program. And uh, what we do is I take a package of 20 different bush food plants into a school and uh, we start up their bush food garden. And it's a bit of unlearning actually with as far as what uh, teachers are familiar with they're familiar with you know the sad fact is that all the fruit all the veggies and all the herbs we eat didn't originate in Australia they all come from other countries so they're grown in raised veggie planters things like that so when they say this is going to be our bush food garden I say well no it's not really because it's only about 10% of the varieties that we've got in the range are suited to those conditions. So we try and steer away from formal veggie gardens right. and orchards. Or failed veggie gardens. Failed veggie gardens because, mm-hmm. yeah, most of the times they show us shocking dead veggie uh, yes, patches yes. like that. And so we go into a more natural bush food garden and plant in the ground and we get the kids' hands dirty. We get the, the kids into the earth and they love it. And there's Marissa... And uh, she's moved on now. We've got other uh, local ladies that do the program, talk about the cultural side and the significance, and the kids just love it. Right. They really love it. So, And we've done close to 150 schools, Perth Metro. Okay. And a few country schools. We do, we've done a few country trips. But we've because of the popularity of the Tuckerbush website, we get registrations from schools over east, Every day, so we've got about two and a half thousand schools right. on our wanting, waiting wanting, list. Right, just to yeah, wanting us to go over there and, and kickstart right. it over there for them. So, can you get people interested in the east coast? Uh, I, I, I'm I, sure you'd love to do it yourself and I'd, get away, but uh, it's it's on my my bucket list to do. Mm. Uh, it just needs uh, local people on the ground yep. and my growers to have enough variety yep. available. To be able to Most do of the terms to go into the schools. schools and do it. So we're nearly there. I just need funding, obviously, to kickstart it. Yep. But I think once it's kickstarted, you know, the schools can actually access grants to do it. But uh, it teaches kids about uh, diversity in the garden, which is very important. And, uh, you know, it gets them into nature and outdoor learning and uh, learning about local Aboriginal culture. It's just so a lot of these plants, Mark, as a landscaper, um, how would I go just you know, using them in a, in a general landscape as opposed to having a bush tucker garden? Well, you know, plant-wise, I mean, we all look at form and shape and you know, exactly. how, how it's going to look. Yep. But, uh, so really it's, I think, edible plants in the landscape are becoming such an important factor moving forward and... It's all about, again, diversity and density. You can get quite a dense bush food garden happening in a small space that people don't realise that they can achieve. And when I was at Domus, I was you know, just astounded by the monoculture landscaping that uh, was going out there. You know, they'd buy you know, 300 Lamandra tanikas or something like that, tanikas, and you know, really three would do the job. But with bush food, you're also uh, looking after the local uh, flora as well and fauna. Um, and it's not hard because Australia is a big place. There are varieties suitable for 
most areas um, that you're thinking about if you're in the landscaping business. And really, a lot of them uh, can be fairly low maintenance. Right. You know? So some of them, of course, need a bit more maintenance if they come from far north Queensland, need a bit more water, a bit more shelter. But uh, the local Noongar varieties here, once they're established, uh, look, tend to look after themselves. Yep. Of course, you get better fruit if they do get a bit of love. Yeah, like anything. Yeah, and, but uh, there's so many different varieties that you can add to a diverse landscape and I think that's the, the secret going forward. And I suppose it's just getting people away from that, uh, as you said, that monoculture um, of having a, a, you know, a, only a couple of plants in your garden, but I suppose it'll suit more of a wild-type garden. Or that's it, yeah. yeah it's a yeah. wild garden, and it, a wild garden can be a bit low-maintenance yep. as well, as, as long as you set it up properly. And you know, I'd still recommend a lot of these plants are grown in potting mix. Right. So if you... Bung them straight in the in the ground. Our sandy soils here in uh, the Perth the sand um, sand plains. Uh, you're still going to need a bit of soil conditioning happening uh, to get them off initially, but once they're established, they look after. And how would they go as a potted plant if someone just wanted to have a couple of uh, plants on the on the balcony or on the back yep. patio? Brilliant! I think that uh, that berry that you gave us would. Yeah, the midgen berry. Midgen berry and the finger lime are well suited to that. Yep, and. Yeah, a lot of the plants, we've even got, uh, there's three Australian native mints in the range. And uh, there's there's six indigenous mints in Australia. We've got three of them in our range. And river mint is a running suckering plant. So we actually recommend putting it into a pot. Right. Because yep. then it doesn't creep through like the all garden. Mint. Like, yep. like all mint. Yep. And so it's a great pot plant. There's quite a few herbs. There's the native thyme, which is a great pot plant. You can just pick in a few sprigs. Sea parsley mm-hmm. make great pot uh, specimens as well. So there's a lot, a lot suited to that pot culture. Yeah. And your other uh, side of your business, the water plants? Water plants are, are growing well. That's another trend at the moment, uh, especially during COVID uh, when people were stuck at home and they, they, they like the sound of uh, running water. Running water in the landscape is very soothing and uh, to have a few plants and a few fish and that's also good for the local environment as well because it attracts um, insect eating um, predators and things like that but uh, that's continued on so the trend is not going away so from COVID it's just continued on and people are realising the value of just a little bit of water in the landscape it doesn't have to be a huge pond or a swim through pond a lot of people converting swimming pools mm. into, into natural billabongs and things like that. But you don't have to do that. You can just have a pot, you know, and a bowl, and you can have a, a mini water lily in there, and even water chestnuts. You can grow your own. Right. So how many variety, uh, are you mainly dealing in uh, water lilies or just um, uh, cover, you know, covering plants? No, uh, we do a great range. So there's uh, ranges from like sedge plants or bog plants yep. from the edge of the, the, the pond. Uh, to plants that are totally submersible, uh, to oxygenators like the, the mule foils. Uh, Nardu is a floating uh, native plant, which is really attractive. We do about 10 different varieties of water lilies, and ranging from the hardy ones, which the, the flowers sit on top of the water, to the tropical ones where the flowers stand up stand above up, the water. Yep. Uh, we've got a night flowering one. But we've got probably about a hundred different varieties of water right. plants in the range. Yeah, so we, a lot of them do go dormant during the winter time, 
but uh, only half the range does, so there's still 50 or so varieties available during the winter periods to you know, So for that, uh, uh, having a, a water plant nursery, which I, um, I've been to a couple, so you've got lots of ponds. Lots of ponds, and we've got about 40 different ponds for our water lilies, yep. but a lot of the plant, water plants we actually grow in water trays, Okay. On benches to right. make it easy, Easier, yeah. easy for the staff okay. to access. Yep. Yeah, is that just circulating water? As, as a no, that's just uh, just sitting in sitting in water. Right. So yep. they're sitting in their own little ponds, like a little water tray, and they yep. just sit in the pond like that. Great. Yeah, it's easy. Now, Mark, we'll get on to the most important thing. He's got a uh, a new brand of beer here, which probably on ra- on the podcast you won't be able to see, but it's called Summer. Called Sunset, Sunset Sunset State. Yes, Sunset State. So, so give us a little bit of a background on that. Uh, now that you're getting into the beers, yeah. So this was a, a collaboration uh, we did with Tuckerbush and Gage Roads in Fremantle, and so what they used was this plant here, which is called Jambinu Zest, which you guys know as uh, gelatin wax. So you can have a bit of a taste of that, Kieran, and it's a very limey kind of thing. And I so must admit, it's the first time I've eaten gelatin wax. <laughs> there you go. So a lot of people are familiar with bad, gelatin wax as being yeah. a cut flower. Yeah. You know? So yeah. we teamed up with Helix Australia. I'll just open this. And Helix Australia are the main crowd that uh, supply cut flower gelatin wax to the world. Their breeding program comes out of Kings Park. And so what we did was we went through 30 different gelatin wax. Not all gelatin wax are created equal. And we did a taste test on 30 different varieties. Some of them have a bitter aftertaste, some have no taste, some are a bit bland. And so we came up with this one. And what variety is this one? Uh, it's a selected it's a form of chamelosium. Right. Know, so it's particular to this one. And, and for those who can't see, he's pouring a magnificent yeah. beer. So Sunset State... <laughs> was a uh, special release beer that the uh, Simone, the head brewer at uh, Gage Roads, did for an organisation called Pink Boots, which uh, they've got a scholarship there to actually get women into the brewing industry and because it's a male-dominated industry. And so it's a fantastic program. So part of the proceeds went to there. So there you go, you can have that. Uh, there you go, Ben. You can have the whole can. Jeez, that's a good deal. It's, it's a big can too. Yeah, cheers. And so that's got Jambinu zest in it. So, right. Yeah. A nice beer. Yeah, it's yeah, kind of very nice. Got a citrusy aftertaste. It's a good summery beer. And so that was uh, just released recently. That was released on International Women's Day. Right. Um, in March. Uh, just gone. How much in that can, Ben? Oh, a little bit. Yeah. No, no, uh, no uh, volume. It looks a bit bigger than a normal can. It is, and it's a little bit stronger too, so yeah, it might be a little bit tipsy after this. IPA 6%, right. and that's a big can too. Yeah. So, <laughs> Fantastic. And uh, is that um, a beer that they're going to – because I know Gage Roads bring out beers every week just about. They um, do, and yeah. they run for a week or two, and then they bring another one out. Well, this one's going to go for a while, but it is just a, a, a limited release. Right. So if you're in WA, yep. you're lucky enough to get it. And uh, it's on tap on a, in a few places and in cans like that. So uh, do yourself a favour. Yeah. And uh, uh, go and try it. It's yeah, very right. nice. Refreshing. Well, Mark, thank you very much for, for popping in. It's always good to see you. And um, you're supporting the Perth Garden Show this year. I am, yes. Yep. We uh, will have a, a big display there. We're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to put um, ancient 
you know, bush food plants into like modern growing conditions. So right. we're dabbling a little bit with hydroponics. Yep. And for those people that don't have a lot of area, just like a balcony or a courtyard, you can grow some bush food plants in a hydroponic setting in a small area. So right. we'll have that at the show. And we'll have a new few new varieties too. And uh, so we'll have, be there as uh, water greens with the, the water plants, but with tucker bush as well. Right. And uh, your um, water plants wholesale, retail? Uh, we just wholesale, so, so we supply garden centres yep. around the place. Yep. And uh, we make the, the occasional appearance at garden shows yep. like the Cullinan Garden Festival yep. and the Perth Garden yep. Festival. So uh, that's where we get a bit of customer feedback, you know, because otherwise we're just stuck up there by ourselves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a bit. Great. Well, thank you very much for coming in, Mark. It's always a pleasure to see you. And um, Ben, thank you for doing the buttons again. And uh, for those people listening, good night. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. You've been listening to The Green Thumbs Up, brought to you by the Landscape Industries Association, WA, sponsored by Miniquip Hire.